Welcome to Herp Talk Radio. I'm your host, Matthew, and my co-host is Peggy Detmer. Coming to you live from the Black Hills. It's Herp Talk Radio. Well, this week on Herp Talk Radio, we have Alan Bosch with us. Alan, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and who you are, how you got here from this far in Reptile? Okay. Um, well, I'm uh, currently the CFO of a brewing company in Northern California called Parliament Brewing. And I had no training in that at all. <laughs> but um, <laughs> my boys decided they wanted to open a brewery and they wanted me to help them run it. So here I am seven years later. Um, I met Peggy uh, when we were both interning with uh, the uh, Forest Service doing, uh, I guess we were biological technicians, right? We were doing a, mm-hmm. a, re- a peregrine falcon reintroduction uh, environmental impact study for the Forest Service, which uh, ultimately became successful, which was nice. That was back in 1978. Yeah. And I passed by this place, yeah, right? Been yeah. a while. And, uh, we're talking in, to in a puppy here. <laughs> right? A little bit. Yeah. That's true. And uh, I, in, in the process of doing the surveys and, you know, tra- traipsing all over the Black Hills, I came across this place called Reptile Gardens. I'm like, oh, I like reptiles. Let me go check this place out. And uh, they hired me and my best friend to come up there and wrestle alligators and do their rattlesnake show in the summer of 79. And uh, had a load of fun doing it. And I haven't stopped doing reptiles geez, since I was about seven years old, which was in 1962. So it's been a while. Wow. Now, I, I remember that summer you had snakes already. Was that summer or was it? This, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I- it was. Um, yep. Yeah, well, no, I didn't have any uh, during the uh, U.S. Forest Service study. But the next oh, summer. OK. I, mean, I was right in the middle of all those reptiles. I had to get some. So. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, I remembered there was well, there was a Forest Service party held at the cabin that you and Biff had, and I could have sworn you guys had a yellow and white boa there. Or was that the next year? I I could have sworn. No, it was... I can't keep. I I, I am not sure. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time I held a snake that big. I, I remember that. <laughs> so working at Reptile Gardens, were you just doing the shows, or were you actually? maintaining alligators and that sort of thing well part of the uh, requirements of being an alligator wrestler was uh, cleaning up the alligator metabolic process waste right there was a lot of that and i have a few funny stories regarding that but in between shows we had three different shows we had to do uh, the wrestling show alligator wrestling uh the uh, rattlesnake venomous reptile show and then uh, the third show was the trained animals. So that was about 20 minutes where I got to do things like clean up the alligator poo and take care of the tortoises and all that stuff. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoyed every aspect of it. Awesome. Well, tell us about the funny stories of the alligator poo. <laughs> now I'm intrigued. <laughs> oh, this one, this one's good. You know? Oh yeah. Don't hold out um, on stories for us. <laughs> the, uh, you know, places like, zoos are running on fairly tight budgets, even ones that are private. And we tried to take advantage of every food source we could. So whenever uh, a big lightning storm would go through the Black Hills, which is not too seldom, 
uh, we'd get calls about lightning struck animals. And, you know, a horse here, a cow there, and one day, six pigs. These guys were actually victims of a rollover, and they were really hogs. They were 500-pound swine, and they asked me to skin them before I cut up the meat and fed it to the gators. Uh, I just couldn't throw all that skin away. And so I, I know it was the biggest mistake of my life. The skin had to have three inches of fat on it. And, of course, the gators just chopped it up. And the next morning when I went back to, you know, start the day, I noticed I couldn't see any alligators because the top of every single pool was covered in a thick layer of barfed up fat. (laughs) And (laughs) the worst part was I knew the owner, Earl Brocklesby, uh, world traveler, uh, one-time mayor of Rapid City, very influential guy. I was going to see this and freak out. So I <laughs> set up a pump, started it up, ran to the, the next show, and figured by the time that show was over, the pond would be drained. I could get in there and scrub it up, and all the gators would have gotten their way out of the pond like they always do. Oh, no. Not this time. <laughs> it was so slippery. All I saw was every gator that was supposed to be out of the pond was in the pond, just trying to, you know, scraping its way up the slick walls. <laughs> oh, it was such a mess. <laughs> That's awful. But I had to get into the middle of the pond, all these white alligators, because they were now covered in fat, try to keep them from eating me while I, you know, help them out and oh scrub their backs and scrubbed, you know, it was just the biggest mess I'd ever made. And I don't think Earl Brocklesby ever found out about oh, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm right. surprised That's about impressive. that. <laughs> I mean, I, I was surprised I still had a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so, you know, I, I've heard uh, of greased wrestling. I mean, that could have been added to the show. <laughs> it, 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 it would have been a, a one-time show. <laughs> so you started keeping snakes then when you were working at Reptile Gardens right around, right around there. Right. Well, I started keeping snakes when I was very young, okay. like seven years old, eight years old. And uh, I first bred them in the summer of 73, um, some some gopher snakes. And we actually did some uh, eastern indigos at that Ooh. time, too. Don't tell the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the endangered species yeah, list. They then. still are, I think. Yeah, they still are. They, well, you know, the habitat's just so restricted now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I started way back when I was young, but I got, I got into it very heavily, uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, where we were, we had about 700 animals at one point. Wow. Whoa. So what's, what species do you have? I'm sure you've worked with a whole bunch of different species, but what, what, uh, what have your main focus has been then? Well, the main focus, uh, was about for about 20 years were, were ball pythons because of the, the size of the market, and I just saw how much potential there was. And um, almost no one really knew what was going on. We hadn't really established the uh, genetic um, anomalies, whether they were even reproducible genetically. And once we did, it was like, okay, well, people are willing to pay stupid money for snakes. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Why wouldn't you capitalize on that? Yeah, why wouldn't I, you know? (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, that that worked really well until it's about 2008, and then 2008 just shot a hole in everybody's mm-hmm. pockets. Why? It was, what, a, it oh, was a yeah. big mess. That. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right, that you know. 
$10,000 snakes in August of 2008 were $300 in August of 2009. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. It was a yeah, huge, huge drop. So people were not seeing returns on their investment and they were dumping their snakes, which made it, made it even worse. Mm. Took about, I'd say it took about five years for the market to recover. Yeah, Meantime, I decided to, to pretty much get out. Okay. Yeah, we saw that in the horse market too. Um, oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, when people can't pay yeah. when people can't pay their grocery bills, they're not going to invest in art. Right. Yeah. Well, the the horse market. Yeah. We, when uh, Joel and I were breeding horses, and we knew we had to get out of that too because they're expensive to feed and bed. And mm. yeah, that that uh, yeah, there was a a lot of animals that were dumped even in that market sad to say but yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah so now um you've moved to california and and to be a part of I, your um uh, your family brewery and we should have mm-hmm. bribed him matthew like sent us a case of that beer and, and then we'll have him on <laughs> i should have i should, if, if you give me another week i could have gotten you some beer and you guys could be sipping while i'm sipping next time yeah, next, next time, time I'll next be happy. time. And make it, you have to make a, a, a sorghum beer because I have to be gluten-free the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what yeah. can I do for you? How about some <laughs> seltzer? We're, we're getting ready to do seltzers. Oh, I, I could do that. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll make it work. So did you did you have any other species that you kept in that time that you focused oh, on shoot, as well? Oh, yeah. Like, we I'm had sure um, you majority focused on ball pythons, but was there any side passion projects you had? Well, I, I really enjoy uh, turtles and tortoises, so I've had quite a few of those. Um, one of my first endeavors into importing uh, was from West Africa, and unfortunately, every single animal ended up getting confiscated in England. Oh, yeah, you know, one of those uh, labels got mixed up, and the turtles that were bound for England. Uh, ended up in Atlanta, and at least our, you know, Fish and Wildlife was smart enough to realize it was a paperwork issue. But apparently, the European Union considers paperwork mix-up to mean you're trying to import contraband. So anything that lands, as soon as it lands, if the paperwork doesn't match, it's confiscated. So it was 300 ball pythons, 10 spitting cobras, 10 or 12 gaboons, 10 or 12 rhino vipers. Um, Dang. All of them got confiscated. Oh, 500 scorpions, blah, blah, blah. And they, I couldn't find out for two weeks. They gave them all away. Oh, uh, my. man. I know, right? So my, luckily, I had uh, given very specific instructions to the uh, uh, exporter in Ghana to ensure the shipment, which she had not. But oh. she personally insured it. So she, I said, well, I don't think I want it you know, have you pick out the snakes for me? Because I had, I had gone through 10,000 snakes to pick out 300. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, why don't you send me some tortoises instead? So she sent me 800 kilograms of Salcata tortoise. Oh, <laughs> so I had a herd of 23 tortoises in my yard. Wow. Uh, I had to number them just to keep track of them. Wow. No, that was in North Carolina <laughs> or South where? Carolina. Yeah. Near, South near the Carolina. coast. It was good. It was Nine months of the year, they could be outside. And even in the wintertime, they would come out, sun themselves, and they uh, made a little uh, trap door out of a piece of roofing uh, rubber and set them outside and put the heat inside. And they learned how to use that door in one day. 
Oh, wow. That's crazy. I went outside at five o'clock at sunset thinking they were going to all be freezing out in the two acres I had them running around. They were all inside. Wow. Had gone in by themselves. We're all toasty warm. Wow. So I was like, Pretty smart little fellas. Right? Yeah. So, uh, and how big were right? they uh, as far as carapace length at that time? The smallest carapace was uh, probably 14 inches, and the biggest mm. one was Big Mac. He was in his own crate. He he only weighed 60 pounds. He should have weighed about 150. Um, he was about 26 inches. Okay. He was a sizable animal. He was as smooth as glass. He must have been 100-plus years old. Wow. And that was, was your breeding cool. stock, and, and then you would sell from the get? Or? That's what I had planned to do, and they, and they produced exactly 0. 0.0 animals in oh, three no. years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. Another bust. Yeah. Oh. But oh. Luck, it, it, the story ended well. Mac and uh, got to go, Big Mac got to go to a, uh, a farm in Long Island, where he was one of three males who were servicing a hundred females. So he, oh. I'm sure he was happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah that's, that's a good end to his story. <laughs> that's a so. that's a crazy ratio. I don't think anybody can service that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what reptile business you know have you been successful at? In ah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> After that, well, I. I, I, I <laughs> I guess I've been successful at the reptile business, never, but never at the level I wanted to be. I mean, I raised five kids for 20 plus years on reptile shows. Uh, yeah, we put in about 35,000 miles a year driving up and down the East Coast, all the way from New York down to Key West almost. I uh, had a lot of fun, a lot of cool people, got to, you know, experience a lot of interesting animals. And if I had to do it all over again, I'd, I'd probably do it again, just a little differently, maybe a little smarter, mm-hmm. be a lot smarter. <laughs> <laughs> In hindsight, 2020 and all that, uh, I'd probably uh, do more turtles than snakes. Uh, and I would probably be uh, a little heavier into crocodilians. I, I really love oh, wow. crocodilians. Wow. If I had the room, I would, I would get into <laughs> crocodilians. But Right? Yeah. Oh, it take a little room. I, well, my house, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, but but crocodilians are amazing. They are very cool. Boy, I don't. I, and what would your market be for crocodilians? The zoos, or yeah, see, there's not a lot of market that would, that that would just be a passion project. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay. maybe, maybe some of the albinos and leucistics you could make some money on, but for the most part, it's just a passion project. Uh, Something fun to do. Yeah, so I, yeah. did you did you support your family then on reptiles for the past 20 years? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. For, for almost 20 years. Wow. Selling what species? If it crawled, it, it got sold. It, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ball, I have to tell pythons were the main species, but I, we, oh. we delved in everything pretty much. Um, we even got into arachnids and various other invertebrates. Uh, millipedes, scorpions, scorpions, scorpions were one of those animals you could, you could put into a shipment from Africa that would take almost no weight, had a lot of value. You could buy them for a dollar a piece and sell them for 10 or $12 a piece. Uh, I even got into uh, these horrible rats. Uh, have you ever heard of Gamb- Gambian pouched rats? No. No. One of, imagine the ugliest, uh, you know, stereotypical cartoon rat and then make it <laughs> twice as bad. <laughs> <laughs> These things could stuff 
They're called pouch rats because they can stuff basically a tennis ball in each cheek and then run around with it and stash it and come back and do it again. And the darn things can chew through uh, steel, Jeez. and they get to be three pounds. Oh, man. Uh, wow. But they were they sold for a lot of money. Unfortunately, every time I shipped it, brought them in, they would chew out of the cages before they got to the airport in Atlanta. Oh, no. So 50 animals became 10. And God knows where the rest of them are. <laughs> Germany? I don't know. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you, Matthew, here uh, on your last time, on your way to California, you were passing through and Joel and I, we met you, I'm trying to remember where, where we um, had our rendezvous, but you handed us these big millipedes for us to take care of while you were traveling right. around the Black, the Black Hills scene, you know, the sites. And uh, it's like, okay, uh, what do we do with these? Oh, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> just don't get them hot you know it's like right, okay that's the only just keep them, <laughs> like, keep them hot. Yeah, so and you know we live in a small long home with cats abound and so i thought too anyway and i thought okay we'll bring them to the gallery i i, I know the gallery owner's son would love seeing these giant Afri african millipedes i think mm -hmm. they were and so yep. <laughs> so i bring them there i'm fine with them you know i'm like oh i've never seen millipedes you know, the size of rulers, no. <laughs> half, right. half, half, half a ruler. And, um, and so I, I said, Hey, Gavin, you know, come and look at this. And I, Oh, wow. You know, this kid goes, what are those? And his mother, nice. and his mother comes up, what are the, and shriek. And it's a good thing. She wasn't holding on Gosh. to the container. <laughs> and she goes, what are those? You get them out of here. Will they escape? And she started freaking. <laughs> oh my gosh took us a while to calm her down but you know then she was, <laughs> she was okay as long as you you sure they won't get out no i go i'm positive <laughs> they're gonna be okay don't worry yeah just, leave it leave it to hell to drop off you know six inch <laughs> millipedes while he goes and tours the black hills with uh, you were with his well, son I, yeah. I really appreciate that <laughs> i really appreciate it <laughs> that was that was pretty cool <laughs> That was cool. Now, you moved to California. Were there problems of importing animals there? Or? <clears throat> well, the, the main problem for me in not, in not bringing my collection with me was just having the energy, time, and space. Um, when I was in South Carolina, I had two acres and a 1,500-square-foot barn, so I had plenty of room. And I, uh, when I moved to California, I had a, a, a RV. Uh, that we moved out there in, and we're still in it. And, wow. and I, and, and luckily my wife, don't tell her this, but uh, <laughs> she's in South Carolina right now taking care of her mom. Uh -huh. So I took over the living room. I got 50 gallon tanks, <laughs> a 40 gallon tanks. It's full of turtles. <laughs> what kind <laughs> of turtles? What kind of turtles? Oh, just, you know, well, venomous turtles, of course. Uh, they're, uh, <laughs> Just, just different red-eared slider morphs, uh -huh. clowns and albinos and green sickles and what else? Uh, oh, I, I really love the axanthics. They have oh. just coal black eyes and uh, no red. They're really wow. interesting looking. They're very wow. pretty. Um, An axanthic um, red ear. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Axanthic yeah, is so one of my, all the yellow's gone. I'm sorry. Axanthic is one of my favorite morphs for sure. Just overall, once that xanthanin goes away in the pigmentation, it's just black and silver. Yeah, it's cool, right? They're cool. Yeah. Grab one and show us. 
<laughs> if I had one here, you know, the boys, the boys, all, they wanted to have a, a like a a, ma- a mascot tortoise at the uh, at the brewery, right? And, and until I explained to them, tortoises are not litter trained, guys. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the FDA would have a problem with that. <laughs> oh, we would have all kinds of problems. Uh, so I don't have any tortoises or turtles with me. Oh, okay. uh, I would love to show them to you. <laughs> well, so in your clowns are red ear sliders or other species too? Those are those are uh, red eared sliders. They look like you took every color a red eared slider could have and and just threw them at a palette. I mean, just, it, it just there's almost no pattern to how it's laid down, and it's brilliant reds and brilliant yellows and. Yeah, they're really neat looking. Nice. Did uh, is yeah. there a, a name to the line that you got, or of the clowns? Uh, the clowns, I think there's only one or two genetically proven lines. Uh, I got mine through a guy named Mitch Cowles, oh, yeah, uh, who uh, has proven his line out. And I've got about got two um, visual morphs, and then I've got about thirty that are proven heterozygous. So I'll be producing a lot of clowns. Oh, (laughs) cool. I, yeah, I I love those red ear slider clowns. Are they, are they, do they get as large as standard red ear sliders? Are you finding? Are they? Uh, My, my animals are, um, I I think most of them do. I mean, I don't see a lot of hybrid vigor in crisscrossing the red ears together. I guess if we crossed, them out to uh, yellow valleys or something else. We might see a little bit hybrid bigger, but they're all coming up about the same rate and about the same adult size. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. you know, with this painted line that I have and then other um, uh, people with the uh, mostly Eastern clown paintings, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about the dwarf. I wouldn't call them really dwarfism. I mean, but they, they more slowly grow. Um, Really? Yeah, and uh, I know with my clown and its brother, um, it uh, the brother is growing at a normal rate, um, and the the clown is like an inch and a half smaller than it is. Wow! Hmm. And uh, it's not shedding properly. And I, I've tried different foods to give it more. You know what would what would feed the keratin protein to shed? And so I've tried this new pellet, this new pellet, and it seems to be working. You know, in getting oh that. really. Yeah, it's uh, it's helping them grow the keratin protein. It looks like you know to shed those scoots faster. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm. excuse me, I laughed so hard I should have um, had tissue here from your, <laughs> your alligator story. But um, <laughs> but the Got a million uh, of them. <laughs> and we're going to get a lot of you. <laughs> you're you're going to be here more often than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, the story's that good, but before you tell another one, I gotta get some tissue. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> okay. but um, yeah. So uh, it this uh, new life spectrum float. It's called. Most of their um, pellets sink. This one floats, and so the, the turtles are used to getting that. But it it has uh, what I would call more species specific foods, in that there's far less grains and far more animal proteins and, and the only grain in there one is just wheat. There's no corn or soy and sorghum and millet and everything else. You know, it's, it's mostly, yeah. um, you know, fish and squid, you know, crustacea, you know, what the turtles are used mm-hmm. to eating. And then all of a sudden, bam, I'm seeing growth lines on all my turtles on this stuff. I, I, oh, I nice. noticed that yeah. on the hatchlings, the rescued hatchlings though, 
<clears throat> I have to um, keep doing some of the zoom in or they would, uh, I could start to see a slight, slight pyramiding, like they're getting too much mm. protein from this. Mm. So I, I have, I have, I've cut back on that um, and, and feeding the zoom growth, you know, like every other day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I can't believe the growth I'm seeing on these rescue hatchlings. <clears throat> and so I'm, yeah, I'm excited about it. Nice. But, I wrote that down. New life's spectrum, uh, spectrum float. float. Yeah, and, and it comes Got in it. Uh, everything from hatchling size pellets. And boy, I mean, they eat it before their egg yolk is even absorbed. I mean, I, wow. as soon as, yeah, as soon as I took them out of the incubator and, you know, how you give them their first bath, get rid of the, uh, uh, the, the uh, incubation media. You know, so you know, just give them a bath, get that off of they them. Get all the perlite or whatever. Yeah, and then and then put them on the paper towels, and then I, I I put them in like a quarter of an inch of water, and they have their first drink, and I just put a few pellets in there, and they were snapping at it. I you mean, would I, think they wouldn't even have an appetite, right? Right. Yeah, for- you know, and they just they kind of sniffed it and started snapping. I went, whoa! I mean, because it took me wow. a good, you know, usually until the egg. The, the yolk sac was absorbed and then a couple of days and then they'd start eating. And, and yeah. I did find the, the pellet that they snapped at the most was, um, Hikari, um, bio gold for, um, discus. Um, very, oh yeah. oh yeah, man, they, they snapped at that first and then, and then took, took in the, the spectrum float, um, you know, an hour, you know, about an hour or two later, but I mean, it was those two that I never, ever had hatchlings want to eat pellets. They always, you know, I always had to feed them live black worms first, you know, something that wiggled and it would even then take a good week for them to be eating hearty, but they started on those two pellets wow. right away out of the incubator. So That's I'm just like screaming that. <laughs> so are you having hatchlings born already since you've been there? <clears throat> oh, sure. Um, and I've bought a bunch of hatchlings. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I have the same issues, but I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I'm going to try some of your, your ideas. Yeah. It's, it's just that they, they, I think the smell is just so much more, um, natural for them because they're, it's, it's mostly, um, um, fish and crustacea meal. And so it, it, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just, you know, it, it sparks their appetite or they, you know, instinctively recognize it over the grain laden formulas of most commercial turtle pellets yeah which is of course what they eat in the wild right they just plow through wheat fields (laughs) (laughs) right yeah yeah right (laughs) right well yeah and and so i mean i worked for a nutritional biochemist for 14 years and boy what i learned about agricultural Mm. waste foods in animal Mm. feeds it's like oh my god you know and so most what turtles are getting is agricultural waste which is the outer holes of most grains, which have most of the pesticide on them. Oh, great. And so you're, great. you're poisoning your, your, your breeding stock or pet turtles, mostly with, um, you know, insecticides is, you know, you being a biologist have learned that insecticides are neurotoxins and uh, herbicides <sighs> are hormone disruptors. So yeah, let's feed it to our pets. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, so that I was, I've been, you know, so I've been looking for all these different high quality pellets to feed these turtles, you know, ever since I got back into them. Yeah. What do you think is the best uh, brand in terms of the uh, 
nutritional purity? Uh, <laughs> um, what I mostly feed now is the um, uh, the spectrum, and okay. and then um, I also feed um, what's called um, your fish stuff. Um, they make mm-hmm. their own grain-free pellets, and they they have a variety made of earthworms, made of um, fish meals, made of um, mm. uh, there's uh, for omnivores, some are for herbivores, and I I soften those up and mix it in with um, my box turtle food, and so they're and you know I'm trying to avoid as much pesticides as possible, especially. Sure for the breeding stock because you start feeding males a bunch of soy, you know, and, you mm. know, in fish, you Next can turn- they have, they have gynecomastia, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it seems like the fish people that spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for one fish, you know, in, mm. in, in the discus and in the koi, they've got feeding their fish, um, down to a science. I mean, and most yeah. of the the really good foods are coming out of the Orient for the, these guys that breed fifty thousand dollar goy. <laughs> wow. So that that's where I started lo- looking, you know, because you know that's they, smart. Yeah, well, yeah. the fish market is way ahead of the of the reptile hobby for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for, well, shoot, remember. Um, Remember back in like the early the sixties and seventies, yeah, Matthew, forget this. But remember, <laughs> remember what turtle food was made of back then? Dried flies. Yeah, I think they collected it was just dried yeah. flies. It was the worst. And you, you were I mean, if, it was if amazing. They, any, if they got it was them amazing, all, any turtle lived. Yeah, and, and hopefully the they weren't spraying raid in the window and then collecting the dead flies on the bottom <laughs> of the sill. Right. This is what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> Oh, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, all, all, all the news this week was all the the lead and and glyphosate and baby food, human baby oh. food. So it's like, well, uh, if the FDA has allowed that, because you know those products are supposed to have been tested, imagine what's going into pet food. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, you know, anything they want, yeah. anything they want. Yeah, we, we had sure. we had clients working for this biochemist. We had clients from all over the world buying pallets of her horse feed. And these were for, you know, um, equines that were worth millions of dollars that were, you know, racing on the, the finest racetracks, were in the Kentucky or the, the Triple Crown um, because mm. she, she cleaned up their stallions they were able to produce. They, you know, um, a lot of the, the animals you know, won um, the Kentucky Derby, the, Pre- the Preakness and, and the Belmont. I mean, so, I mean, she, you know, she was a biochemist, you know, uh, un- extraordinaire, but, you know, she died at the head of COVID, sadly. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, we lost quite a bit of knowledge with her death. Mm. But, so let's hear some more fun stories. <laughs> Where, let's see. Oh, here's one that's... Uh, <laughs> This shines a light on my stupidity. Uh, we uh, we had a we had a very large we being reptile gardens had a large herd of giant tortoises. Yeah, and the majority of I think there were twelve that were ranged from you know, about sixty pounds to about five hundred pounds. 
were Aldabras, but there was one giant uh, Galapagos that was brought in, I think, in the 1923 expedition, which was the last one I think they actually allowed direct a collection from the islands. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was an adult male that had been in the reptile collection, the reptile gardens collection, um, since they opened in '38. Um, and he was, uh, you probably saw him, Peg. His, his name was uh, Methuselah. Oh yes, and, yeah, I have right. Too. But they called him they called him Earl after <laughs> Earl Brocklesby. <laughs> and, and Earl was Earl was the smartest darn tortoise I'd ever seen. I don't know if you recall how they had the tortoise pen laid out, but mm-hmm. they had about 250 white stakes, about three and a half, four feet long that were buried yes. about 18 inches in the ground mm-hmm. and just big enough where you could slide your leg through, but a tortoise couldn't get through, right? Mm-hmm. Unless the tortoise was Earl. Now, <laughs> Earl, 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 every time you go down that yard, he could see all the wonderful flower plantings that were around oh. reptile gardens remember and it would drive him nuts uh-huh. so he he would go to every post until he found one that was loose and then he would just rock on it and rock on it and here, here's how smart he was there were only you know of all those 250 plus whatever number of posts there were there was only one or two that were loose and as soon as i would let him out of his door in the morning he would go like a beeline straight to the loose one Wow. And would work on it until it was pushed over and then he could make his way to the flowers. And of course, sometime during the day, I knew I was going to get a call. They, they would put a broadcast out. Uh, alligator wrestler wanted, um, there's a, a loose tortoise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, people were like, an alligator wrestler is needed to wrestle a tortoise? <laughs> right. It was Usually it was because an alligator had climb the fence or something. But this time, you know, it, once once in a while it was Earl. Well, I got tired of trying to turn Earl around. I didn't like to strain him. I mean, he was 100 and plus years old. You know, I don't want to hurt this poor guy. So I came up with this great idea. I figured, <laughs> and what's the hardest part about you know, getting this guy to go back? Just turning him, right? He's just, he's, he had elephantine legs that must have oh. been, you know, 12 inches in diameter. Mm-hmm. And he literally was about 500 pounds. So I convinced... Um, what was his name? Wayne. Wayne, the the uh, general manager. We could take a little garden tractor and a chain and flip over one of those traffic signs that are made out of aluminum and get Earl onto this traffic sign. And, you know, we'd haul him back. And it worked like a charm, <laughs> except he's upside down and his, and his little legs are going like this. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you know, his lungs are getting you know compressed and everything. So we didn't want him up like that long. So we, we sped it up. We're going across the grass. We get to the sidewalk. Oh, what a bad idea. All of his weight was on a single scoot on that aluminum on the sidewalk. And about 20 feet into the sidewalk pole, I smelled smoke. (gasps) Oh, hell yeah. It was horrible. Uh, I flipped him over as quick as I could, took my thumb and stuck it on the top of the shell where a depression had been created by by the burning shell the friction of all his weight to almost 500 pounds on that single point on his vertebrae. And I'm sure his CSF was going through the roof. You know, his cerebral spinal fluid must've been so, because his little legs went from doing this to, I mean, it looked like a blur. I was, I felt so horrible. Well, the good part about the story was <laughs> the owner <laughs> didn't find out about it. <laughs> that was the second best part. <laughs> At least he didn't kill me if he did find out about it. I came back 
when I came through six years ago, Peg, you know, and visited with you, I brought my son to Reptile Gardens. We went around, and the only tortoise still living was Methuselah, and he still had that hole in his shell where, of course, you know, it was a quarter inch deep and almost as big as a quarter. That's how I could identify him, and he ended up dying a few years later, probably 150 years old. Mm. Wow. So that's what not to do with a tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> Please remember that one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so are you only keeping turtles then, or do you... Do you yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all I've got now. It's all my wife will tolerate. Okay. Uh, you know, she tolerated a lot of a lot of stuff over the years. I mean, animals are 24-7, right? right? Yeah. Animals yeah. are 24-7. Yeah. Uh, and we, we couldn't leave the, the property, you know, without one of the kids calling us and saying, Dad, this happened, that that, that happened. There was never any relaxation. So at least turtles, heck, you can hibernate the darn things. that They don't care. Uh, you know, that's good for them to brumate or hibernate. So that gives you a little bit of a break. And then on top of that, uh, they have a lot more personality than average animals, you know, especially snakes. I mean, snakes, snakes are cool. They have a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting uh, characteristics, but they don't show nearly as much personality as turtles. I mean, right. sh- yeah. show me a snake that stood up on its hind you know, spurs begging for food that's on the National Enquirer, right? None. Zero. Oh, I haven't turtles told that Turtles is at story. least one that I know of. Yeah. That, yeah <laughs> the Jimmy I, story. The Jimmy story. Yeah. I, I had a turtle, Jimmy's Matthew, years ago that um, I trained to stand up and beg and roll over. And it made the National Enquirer, and I'll, I'll have to take pictures of that and share it with our audience sometime. Definitely. I can't but, believe that hasn't hit the news yet. I, I have another Jimmy. I mean, he's uh, another brainchild. I mean, and really? Yeah. When I, you know, because our nights are so cold here in the mountains, as you know, and, you mm-hmm. know, we'll have days in the 80s, and then it gets down to 50 or 60, and, you know, and the water's still warm. And, you know, so I, in the spring, especially, I, I take the turtles, you know, spring and fall, I take the turtles in at night. And then put them out in the day. <clears throat> I, I don't have that many. And so then, uh, so Jimmy's, or not Jimmy, um, the one that liked Jimmy, uh, his actual, right. his name is actually Dr. Sheldon Cooper. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> he, well, really, you know, most people call their turtles Sheldon. And yet, right. but this one is so brilliant. You know, he had to have, you know, you know, a, a genius course. name. And so you just put, you, I, I put my, yeah, I put my hand like this in the water and, you know, go, you know, go like this. And he fly, you know, he swims right into my palm and looks up at me and then I can just pick him up and put him in, in the bucket to carry him in. And then I give him a treat. And, and it's like, you know what, dude, I, I need to teach you what I had taught Jimmy and do all these fun tricks and, and call the national choir and ask them if they want to give me another story. <laughs> <laughs> Follow up on Jimmy. Yeah, follow on Jimmy. Yeah, I had to rehome Jimmy when I moved to California. You know, um, they wouldn't let me take him with. That was so hard. I had him for 10 years. And, when did you go to California and they wouldn't let um, you take him? Let's see, it was in 85 I moved to California. and yeah, They know, don't even care about red ear sliders anymore. They consider them indigenous now. Yeah, Jimmy, a <laughs> Western painted turtle. Yeah. Oh, he was a Western painted? Yeah. Oh, that might have been the reason. Yeah, well, they they have got Western paintings there now, according to the map, and so. Oh, um, really? Yeah, they say they're. But they're only, not indigenous. Yeah, they're not indigenous. Are they indigenous to California? They okay. say they're not. The only indigenous 
turtle to California is the um, the the northern uh, pond turtle or the, the the western pond turtle, and then there's the northern and then the southern. They're divided by a mountain range. Told so yeah, and then all the other turtles are invasive pet releases, and so um, so you could not take any turtles into California. Uh, I didn't have any to worry about. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I actually got a. I I brought a an albino in about a week ago, and I got a phone call from the Fish and Game, because oh. uh, the person who sent it to me did not bother to list what kind of reptile it was. Oh. And she had it. She had it out, and it was still in the bag. And she said, "Don't make me look in that bag. Just tell me what it is." And I said, <laughs> "I told her." She goes, "Oh, that's fine." <laughs> well, that's, that's good. And so you have yeah. to buy all your breeding. You had to buy them all once you got to California. Then I bought most of them as hatchlings, um, mostly uh, heterozygous or possibly heterozygous, to, to mm-hmm. keep the cost down because you can yeah. buy them much much cheaper you know, than. A, 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 obviously a visual homozygous animal yeah but you have you know you have greater loss that way too you know they're not adults you know and, and one thing or another can knock them out heck i had a freaking raccoon eat 16 of them Ooh. one night i know yeah that's why i have to build you know camp kennan style keep your monitor lizard in containment things here because of the the list of predators we have that you know i mean the raccoons the fox the bobcats the cougars i mean we've had cougar on our place that we had to chase away because he was interested in one of our foals and of I mean, course and uh the only thing we haven't had on our place have been wolves and bears <laughs> and well there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, we've even had uh you know um cooper's hawk trying to get to the turtles and, you know, so they're, they're, you know, I see a lot of people's turtle habitats not be roofed, you know, they're, they're mostly just what well, we have a electric wire going around their pen, like, oh, that would not work here in the Black Hills at all. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> so what, Don't no. forget the aerial attack. <laughs> <laughs> so now what town are you near in California? We're 45 miles north. 45 minutes north of san francisco okay okay uh we're just south of santa rosa okay the fairly sizable town up in the mountains then no we're we're uh we're in the uh, agricultural plains between the sierras and the coast we're only about six miles from the coast we we have a lot of coastal influence but you can see the fog rolling it looks like a tsunami it's the coolest thing you've ever seen wow yeah if you're in santa cruz and you can look out over the water sometimes it's 20 30 miles long and it's probably three, four hundred feet high, and it's moving wow. as fast as a wave. Oh you know, my! It, it's it's an, it's an impressive sight. And yeah. in fact, uh, the redwoods that are on the coast, they, they can actually tell what uh, what the water source is based on the chemistry. And oh, wow. between twenty five and fifty percent of all their water comes from fog. Wow. That's crazy, That's right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, that yeah, is cool. Yeah, and and the upper foliage m- will have a different uh, chemical breakdown than the lower foliage. So, what do you have as far as your yard? Um, you know, for keeping uh, tortoises outside. Yeah, are you keeping? Outside? Well, I don't have any tortoises right at the moment. Just just the red-eared sliders, and I built mm-hmm. a number of ponds, and I've used some of the um, waterland tubs. Um, 
I found, you know what I found to be probably the, the best and, and most least expensive way to, to create a pond for a turtle is just plywood and pond liners and a, and a really good you know, cartridge, uh, you know, uh, type of filter. Uh, it's very effective. The water flow is good and expensive. Of course, it's, it's a little more difficult to create a laying spot for them that way. Yeah. Uh, but it, it can hold a lot of turtles for a, a very little bit amount of money. And it's really easy to build, you know, tops for them to keep the, the predators out. Yeah. Cool. Well, I know you're going to get it, Tortoise. That's why I asked what the tip. Oh, darn right. <laughs> what what your uh, outdoor area is like with all that sea air coming in. Yeah, I won't get any uh, tortoises here. Uh, we're going to have to wait till we move. We're gonna, I'll, I'll, I'm going to retire in five years or so, and then we're probably going to move closer to where some of our children and grandchildren live. Oh, so we're looking at North Carolina, Colorado, or uh, Pennsylvania or Maryland. So <laughs> every outdoor facility is going to be quite different depending upon where we are. Right. Well, that's where your kids is, is dispersed to all those different states. They're, they're, they're just like a bunch of locusts. They go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm sure you'll weigh in. Well, okay. Which kid based on the best for reptile keeping? <laughs> Oh gosh, uh, my daughter Becky. Uh, she spent the most time with me. Every single one of the the, the five kids uh, were involved in the reptile business at some point. You know, either uh, attending shows or taking care of them. But Becky, Becky wanted to be a, a, a reptile vet. Oh, neat! She, yeah, and she she worked with me at the. At, we had a, a retail store for a couple of years, and she was there full time. Uh, broke her heart when we had to uh, shut it down. Uh, we we lost our lease. Um, yeah, some of the people we were at, we were in the same building as our landlords and, eh, you know, one or two snakes got out and freaked the, the girls out. One, one of them apparently dropped onto her desk. Oh, you know? no. <laughs> I was going to ask you with five yeah. kids and a wife, what, what is your best? Ooh, this escaped into the house stories. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, when we first moved into the property, I hadn't developed the barn yet. So I had about 200 snakes inside and they got out and my kids were so attuned to having animals around. I mean, you know, we had 15, 16 foot Burmese pythons, crocodiles. So they all got very adept at handling them. My daughter came down, I think she was about 12 and she had about a four foot ball python in her hand. She goes, here, dad, I found this behind the toilet. She just dropped it in my lap and walked away. Like there was, you know, like, there was an extra roll of paper towel. Home, you know? Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're all very cool about that. So you- in fact, in fact, here, you'll like this, Peggy. When I visited Reptile Gardens, they had stopped doing physical contact wrestling with the gators the, the the year that i was there in 79 was the last year that they actually did the, the actual flipping over and wrestling they, okay. they went to a totally you know kind of hands-off approach so they didn't have a setup where my daughter could sit on the alligator and you know do anything really cool so the, she said i still want my picture taken dad i'm like oh that's cool so <laughs> so uh you know who's running you know who the curator is yeah, now you know um no, you don't have Terry Phillips. Yeah, Terry. Um, and, and he's been there for about 20 years now. And he, uh, he taped up. He's a good guy, really good guy. And he taped up the mouth of about a seven footer. My daughter gets on there and she's, you know, she's holding on to it. They get the picture. She's all nervous and she gets off and she goes, 
not good enough. Take the tape off. <laughs> no, and he, he, <laughs> she jumped back on that sucker and got a good picture. Heck yeah. Oh, no. That's my daughter. Heck yeah. <laughs> wow. You would have been cool. proud of her, Peg. Yeah. yeah that's, awesome. that's cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> so yeah. you've kind of hinted at it a little bit, but I want to know why, why you think turtles are easier than snakes and w- why that's now your direction of approach well uh my wife accepts them yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that makes Number it a lot rule, easier keep, doesn't keep it your wife happy <laughs> happy wife happy life right right but uh strictly from a uh, a maintenance standpoint turtles uh to me are simpler uh, for one you can use commercially prepared food you don't have to raise or find a source of live or frozen uh, rodents. And that took up half my time. I mean, geez, we had to produce 700 animals a week just wow. to feed our collection Man. and, you know, and do it at an economic level that made sense. Otherwise we were putting out a dollar per animal per, you know, yeah, per week, and that's way too much. you know, times 52, yeah, it's 35 to 40 grand just in, just in wow. rodent feed. And then, you know, rodents, they, they have a few, issues with them right right they, they have a lot of litter they smell a lot the food costs a bunch you know they tend to escape blah 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 right so that's all eliminated with turtles um <laughs> turtles right yeah uh turtles are very personable yeah. uh everybody loves turtles not yeah. everybody loves snakes that's so from so strictly from a business standpoint it, it made sense to me plus once again my wife accepts them so right but yeah. even then she has her limits doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want a million turtles i'm like darn come on, a million turtles, think of it. <laughs> yeah i get that from joel too it's like well the, I, I think we're at the limit of tanks because you know we got to get out there to the wild see all the national and state parks that surround us here you know you know the gallery needs more bison work from me and you know, we got this call to do this and this call. I mean, so the gallery gives us assignments like, you know, we've got, you know, customers that are asking, you know, this from you and that from Joel. And and so, you know, he goes, you know, but it's always like, well, let, let's leave earlier to get the bright light. You know, we need some intense light for these black and whites. And oh, but this tank just needs, you know, one more tank to you know refresh the water and then I'm ready. <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, I, I think I'm over turtled. <laughs> uh, the most I, dangerous thing in the world is an empty aquarium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The no. most dangerous. 100%. <laughs> I've got one here. got to put something in there. <laughs> so, so maintenance-wise, do you feel like turtles are easier than snakes? I don't know. I'm a snake guy, so this is real hard for me to comprehend. So Yeah, like, well, you know how snakes are. Um, you, you can't set up a filter to clean out their cage, which you can with turtles, which is nice. And once you've got a good biological balance in the tank, it's really just a matter of not overfeeding them. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, really, um, that's the biggest problem, just, you know, because they're begging for food 24-7. You know, you yeah. walk by the cage and yeah. they can't, right. they, they want your attention. They're starving yeah. for things. Right? Uh, like all yeah. colubrids. That way they go, or yeah, pituophis, yeah, they'll go, they're like that. Those things, they're um, all the time. But uh, th- those are the things that I find, uh, easier to deal with than, than with snakes. And, and then there, of course, there's the, uh, the odor, uh, factor, especially with indigos and pituophis. Yeah. Oh my God. 
It's like, the, the, did you bother even digesting this food? What oh, <laughs> yeah, no, some hog nose are really bad too. Mm. I've had a hog nose, and when that thing pooped, the whole house knew it. Ooh. So that's that's kind of tricks. like box turtles. I'm finding out these these two are mm. my first two box turtles, and it's like, oh my god, you know? I mean, tortoises, they don't. I mean, it's it's like oh, small little cow patties that don't smell like rotted flesh and right. And, and the box turtles, Joel goes Those darn omnivores. <laughs> yeah. He goes, <laughs> okay, that stinks. <laughs> 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 you know, so I, I have this little toilet tissue by, you know, each of their, you know, um, house. And, and I, I do a little sway with the toilet tissue and put it, you know, in this receptacle that then gets flushed. And it's, yeah, I mean, to keep up with it. And then of course, as soon as you change their water, Oh, that's my new toilet. So that gets changed three or four times a day. And it's like, Oh my God, right. these terrestrial things are, <laughs> <laughs> because I found that if you feed the turtles, tub feed them, you know, they're, they're, they're major food. And, um, excuse me, drop my, uh, feed them the major food in a tub. And then, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and then, you know, like in the morning when they greet you and you, you know, the, the lights come on and, you know, you just give them a little treat and, and, you know, and since I really started going to tub feeding, um, then it came time like, well, you know, I've done so many drawdowns and add waters, you know, maybe it's time I, you know, I, I, you know, clean the filter. There wasn't anything to clean in that filter. I mean, it wow. was, I mean, the, the jet flow was really strong. So I thought, wow, this is really unusual. Usually I can tell it's about time because the jet flow sure, starts to slows, clog up, slows, slows down, but I'm like, uh, I think uh, this tub feeding is a lot easier than doing a yeah. teardown of a 75 gallon. <laughs> and so, so what do you do? You, you, you lit- tub feeding, explain that to me. Yeah, I just, I, I, I fill up this, you know, I've got these, um, uh, I guess you call them deep dish cat litter. Bins. Okay. And then right, I, right. I, I put, um, two inches of water in there, three inches more for the, the adult turtles. And I only feed like two of it, two at a time in a tub. So I take them out of the tank and I, I have a, a TV tray sitting by the tank. So they go from the tank, boom, into the tub. And I feed them the food that I wouldn't want to put in the tank, especially I use um, Hikari. Um, no, is it Hikari or uh, no, it's Missouri gel <clears throat> um, food for aquatic turtles. So you, okay. you, mix, you mix a bunch of hot water and it turns into this, um, uh, almost like a, a very thick jello and then you can freeze, you know, cut it into cubes and then freeze part of it. And then I take that oh, out cool. and this is made for zoo animals and especially endangered species. Hmm. It's more species specific and it doesn't contain the pesticides. And so, you nice. know, yeah, Missouri's good about that. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, that, um, they know that most when, when they have to feed animals and they need them to reproduce because they, they have a, assurance colonies of these endangered species, they, exactly. they feed them this, you know? And so they get, they get that food twice, you know, those, those cubes. So I take them out of the freezer, I thaw them out and you just drop the cubes in the tubs and they, they relish them. Then I put in some crickets really? and, and some earthworms, you know, things you can buy at Petco or PetSmart, you know, and then, right. um, you know, you know, some of the pellets, you know, and, and then they're, they're, you know, they're happy. So that's their, their, so I, I do that on Tuesdays and Fridays and then a little bit of pellets in the tanks, you know, and then a lot in free choice romaine and boy, and I don't brewmate. And yet I had three, 
three clutches out of my first year Western painted female. And, um, you know, I, and, and the males, you know, are doing their trick, but what I, I do do is take down their temperatures in March where I, I turn off all the heaters. I, I lessen their daylight and boy, and, um, they, they start mating right away, you know, at about the week three, uh, you know, week one of that three week, you know, slow period in March, mm-hmm. start at March 1st. Cause then the, they, they start, uh, wild turtles here in the Black Hills start to emerge in late March. And so by late March, mm-hmm. they're coming out of this cool period already been mated and, you know, and boy, I got three clutches out of her. Um, she's, and she's wow. the, good her, fertility rate. Yeah. Um, well, this is her first year. She kept kicking the eggs as they were coming out and breaking uh, them, you know, yeah, and, but, that happens. but out of the intact eggs, they, they both were fertile. And so, nice. yeah, out of 14 eggs, only two intact eggs, but oh wow! so this coming year, I'm going to, um, you know, make a, a larger breeding egg lane area and uh, maybe she'll be less nervous. Or maybe because she did finally lay a proper clutch, you know, she'll um, do it again next time. So, but nice. you know, everybody says, and aren't you, you know, have to brumate them to keep their fertility up. And I, you know, I haven't found that, um, you know, with her. And now Dr. Amy Farrah Fowler, my <laughs> high color, um, <laughs> Southern painted female, she's starting, to, <laughs> <laughs> she's starting to court, as you can tell, that's, Joel's in my favorite sitcom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she uh, she's starting to start dancing for the Western painted female she's kept with. And so she, oh, nice. So come March, I'm pretty sure she's going to be receptive to a male. Cool. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> What question? Yeah, I was, I was, I tell him Matthew, and I said, yeah, he's from Baltimore. We're gonna hear hear a little bit of that East Coast stuff coming out. <laughs> yeah, there's no tea in Balmer, hon. You, you can't. There's no tea. Oh, no it's tea. Balmer. Balmer. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know it's it's uh it's it's different from uh, New York. A lot of, a lot of emphasis on o, o's. Oh. Yeah, like the Oreos, you know, oh. the Oreos, and going down the ocean. And everybody calls each other Hun. Oh. <laughs> it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun accent. I like it. But I don't. I don't have much. I'm actually from New Orleans, oh, okay. so I can uh, or Nolans, as we say. No. Yeah, I, I kind of got the South, but South Carolina. If you were there for a while, that makes. <laughs> yeah, I was there for about 20 years. But that was about uh, 21 years too long. <laughs> oh. Why? 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 I still think it's 1865 there. Oh, if oh. anybody's listening from South Carolina, I apologize, but stop. Oh, man. It's not 1865, guys. You know, it's over. We're, we're on the same side now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, hope, well, yeah. I hope Justin Smith, who we've had on the show, listens to this because he's from down there. And yeah, I feel yeah. like that's how South Dakota is, though. So oh, yeah. I feel like we're I, stuck in 1865 sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I, my I re- goodness, Ray. I, re- I remember coming from Custer to the little Nashville and Hill City where us, us uh, Forest Service folk would go and and that would that would be the place to go do some western swing and jitterbug and mm. I'm I'm walking in there and, and this cowboy comes out and he goes hey you you you, you want to get married and I'm like I'm not exactly you know in the market for that kind of stuff right now I'm going to college he goes 
what a thing like you need what well, you don't need to go to college man you can get married like that and i'm like <laughs> i want to go to college <laughs> you know? it's like marriage is not <sighs> my career goal <laughs> you know? i'm I a feel science like that's still a theme here <laughs> yeah like i'm a science Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and, and it Isn't still that crazy? is man it, it is unbelievable you know the yeah i mean it, it it's worse now this you know in in the last five years of we don't want to send our kids to college you know they'll be corrupted <laughs> it's like yeah oh. by education oh my god <laughs> oh my god they'll actually have facts they can use <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but what is exciting is come to the black hills is a new biologist that has really? been assigned to rapid city who's a herpetologist Oh, really? And, yeah, and uh, I've had my first contact with her. She's only been here since uh, December. And so she and and, um, and uh, the biologists in Custer State Park were going to do um, filmed releases of the turtle rescues that I've raised from eggs, you know, the egg rescues. Oh, cool. And so I'm really excited. I, I know I can learn a lot from her. I've never studied herpetology, you know, the way you did in college and mostly mm -hmm. it was upland game birds and waterfowl and big game you know that's what you study in south right. Dakota. but yeah so, uh, what, so it's gonna name? be fun um jen buchanan and mm. yeah so we've emailed one another already and i just turned in all my scientific collector's permit paperwork and reporting and you know i i i, um, I give that to uh, my contact and peer and uh, then you have to reapply every year for your scientific collector's permit. So I'm going to be doing that, filling out that paperwork tomorrow. So um, I'm licensed to rescue turtles throughout, um, you know, state of South Dakota. Um, nice. And, you know, um, if, if I'm overwhelmed, I can find fosters, but I report it. And, and if, if they, we get them healthy enough to re-release, then I contact the biologists and uh, most of what we're seeing here in Western South Dakota is a lot of the ponds are drying up, sadly, and a lot of the turtles mm. migrating to find new waters are being killed. squished. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's, always... what's the climate there where you're at as far as um, herpetologists in the California game? Do you uh, network with them with your growing business now? I do. Um, there's a guy named Al Wolf who runs a reptile rescue. Uh, not far from here, maybe less than five miles. And he's been, you know, on all the talk shows that, you know, that kind of, you know, Jay Leno type of thing. Wow. Um, yeah. In fact, here's a funny, here's a funny story. So Al Wolf is on the phone with Peter Coyote, who lives in Sebastopol. Oh. Peter, Coy uh -huh. Peter Coyote, the actor, right? He lives nearby and he has a vineyard and he had some gophers. So, of course, he calls Al because he figures Al's got gopher snakes. And, of course, all that's all they eat, right? So Al's explaining to, to Peter Coyote that, uh, that that's not what you really want. You don't expect the gophers to go away if I get you some gopher snakes. And then a third phone call comes in from Mrs. Fox. So Fox and Coyote are talking to Wolf at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that that's a. Uh... Isn't there a joke about that too? I've got walking into a bar. Yeah, probably, you know, two wolves, That's a, a joke. two wolves, a fox, a coyote, and a rabbi walk into a bar. <laughs> oh, well, I bet you must have some fun with those peoples. 
Well, you know, for the before the, we got really going on with the uh, with the brewery, I had time <laughs> to do other <laughs> things. So I would volunteer every Sunday. I would go over there for two or three hours and help them clean all the the cages and stuff. And uh, I, I would I would have access to uh, you know various surplus things that he got, made, you know, cages and supplies and so on. And he had, um, gosh, he must have had 150 Northern Pacific rattlesnakes that he wow. had was keeping and that, that was just an interim number he he would he goes out and collects the you know the adults whenever he gets calls and quite often they're gravid and they'll drop you know all kinds of babies he'll, he'll have 300 babies at one time oh, wow. uh, i know right and then he's got to relocate all those and he he does this constantly as, as a non-profit wow um he's an interesting guy he's got he's he has a lot of years in the hurt business we have a lot of stories together and he they, knows a lot of the same people. Are they doing any recovery for the the western pond turtle there? I know they're they're talking about it being listed. He uh, he has not mentioned anything to me, and his his uh, turtle expertise and and efforts are are, are fairly small. Um, about the only thing he really does for turtles is he leave, he has a big uh, water trough out at, uh, just outside his fence that. People can drop their red-eared sliders in there instead of dropping them into the local ponds, and then he he'll find appropriate, uh, you know, housing for them. Okay, that's about that's about as much as he gets involved with turtles. He used to have all kinds of tortoises and turtles in his backyard, and then the uh, the big fires in Northern California oh. swept through here in 2017 and made a mess of that. Oh. Like he lost two hyacinth macaws during, oh. during those fires just to smoke inhalation. Yeah. Man, I yeah, I worried about you guys out there. Just like I, I know the little town of Wrightwood that I lived in for two years up the Cajon Pass. Um, well, I guess they really got hit hard. Uh, Did they? Yeah, and yeah, that was great place to live. Not you know, get the Four Seasons, a wonderful little artist colony up there, and mm. yeah. So now, what um, mitigation are you guys using for fire? Because you know, I fought fires with L too you know <clears throat> with the forest service if you're healthy and al was a decathlon man and i was a trackster for uh, col- uh high school and a little bit in track until i got mono but uh, yeah yeah we were put to fire duty we, they, they put us to work didn't they <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh i'm i just uh so i'm sure you pay attention to that where you live i'm sure you've got an evacuation route for you and your animals sure we uh we're, we're lucky uh one of the things that's nice about RVs is that they usually are in places that are not fire prone, you know, gravel, uh, parking lots, that type of thing, not a lot of trees around. In fact, my wife and I were hosting at a local RV park at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds when the 2017 fires swept in. It was it was an amazing thing to see. We, we, were, we were less than a mile and a half from some of the fires. Oh. And people were driving in. They would drive their RVs in, and, and they would come out of their cars and just dazed, telling us that the last thing they saw in the rearview mirror was their house and their car just bursting into flames. Oh, Holy no. cow. They still smelled of smoke. They were that fresh from the fire. Yeah. And we would turn to the we could turn to the west. It was pitch black. To the north was pitch black, and to the, the, the south was pitch black. And the only spot where there was any light at all coming was from the fires at 930 Ooh. in the morning. Wow. And then it just rained ash for a week. Yeah. Crazy. That's crazy. Now, did you work Forest Service in 81, or were you even out here that summer? I no, remember. I was back in Baltimore in 81. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, that was one where we, um, the crew I was on, we got trapped and we had to deploy our shelters and we had slurry dropped on really? us. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was the last wow. fire. Uh, yeah, I, I put in my papers after that one. <laughs> I didn't realize you were stuck with them for the uh, next couple of years. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I, I worked uh, 78 in Forest Service, 79, 80 for uh, Custer State Park. Right, a, remember inter- that. Yeah, and as a uh, wildlife interpreter ranger. And then went back to the Forest right. Service because, you know, the pay's better. And, uh, you know, right. and, and of course got put on fire duty again. And, uh, you know, that hazard pay on plus federal pay it was that's how i paid for my college education because you know it was affordable back in the the, right? 70s, the 70s and early 80s you know you could just pay it with your summer job you know working as a, a student scientist type person and right yeah not now not now boy not i mean now. you've got to be having yeah hard did any of your kids go into herpetology with all their experience no uh <laughs> let's see well we the oldest too many for them, <laughs> they, they, them probably, they all enjoy reptiles and none of them keep them believe it or not oh, uh, wow. yeah becky becky's had a number of different animals over the years tortoises mainly different snakes um but and but none of them have, have made it a career or have really kept any animals beyond the days when they were you know hanging out with me um <laughs> <laughs> right let's yeah. see i got a I, I got an ex-lawyer who's now a head brewer uh <laughs> i've got a i've got a nurse that's becky she's she's an emergency room nurse in charlotte wow. uh, i've got two entrepreneurs uh and my middle son is the front of house manager he spent about the last 20 years of his life working in high-end restaurants oh wow yeah. so and he's a real smart kid mm-hmm. uh and he's really he's real personable so he cool. he's great for the front of house. He keeps the front of house moving. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, too bad you don't drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I do. I do. I, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be gluten free, goes, right? Wait, he, I have here. family right down there too. I, I when I'm out there, Joel, Joel probably still drinks oh, beer. Yeah. Right? Well, and Joel, huh? Joel's had to do what what I've had to do. Um, he he can't sleep if he has gluten. Um, oh, too much of it. Um, but. Right. Uh, uh, we drink greens beer. It's made of sorghum, and it comes mm. in a pint, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so and they have five <laughs> different types. I don't know. It's called five different lagers, or or the lager is one of the types. I, I styles, yeah. Styles, okay. Styles. Lager is one of them. Okay. See, I, I'm I'm a novice when it comes. to <laughs> I knew nothing about beer except that it was good when I was in when yeah. I got in this thing. Yeah. Nothing. Well, and and it's better now with all the, you know, the the, the fancy stuff you guys. Oh, it's you know. much better now. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, no, even I enjoy it. No more, no more of that Miller stuff that we used to call oh. Miller. <laughs> and Coors, we were so we were Coors. so happy when we got oh, Coors. Man. You know, now it's like <laughs> Coors. <Ugh>. Oh. <laughs> yeah, water. I'm a snob now. <laughs> yeah, I became a snob young. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had you had In the, the good beer category. To, 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 tr- to bring you up Matt, yeah that's <laughs> that's very true that's very true yeah that's oh. funny so do you get out and go herping much alan oh gosh you know i buy a fishing license every year i've been fishing twice in the last six and a half years um i i've caught uh i've caught uh a gopher snake and a banded california king 
Ooh. And nice. a couple of uh, garter snakes, all accidentally. Um, so I haven't done any herping at all and very little fishing, which I would do more than of, of anything. I just don't have time. Um, However, we're finally... <laughs> We're, start, we're finally starting to turn the corner. I mean, we opened this darn business five and a half months before the pandemic. Oh, God. Which was, uh, you know, if, if someone had only told me the pandemic was coming, I would have done things differently. No. But, no. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Right? So that we, we've been, you know, pulling out of that nosedive for the last two and a half years. Ouch. So we're, we're finally at that point where we're, we're actually, you know, starting to turn the corner. So vacations. Decent pay. They're both in sight. We're finally going to It only took me 67 and a half years to get here. What the yeah. heck? Well, you need to set up a big oh. aquarium behind your, your, you know, your, your taste bar, you know, and, 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 and have some fancy turtles in, in oh, that, I'd in love a, that. In an aquarium and, and, and all those people that sully up to your bar to sample all your, your styles can, have fun watching the turtles as uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i i love i love the idea <laughs> but, but yeah. we, ha- we have a very we have a very very tight tasting room so uh, there's not even enough room for the, the staff i get shoot out from behind the bar constantly dag it out from behind the bar there's not enough room oh. okay <laughs> yeah i'm no longer welcome in my own brewery uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, well, back to the you're finally getting good pay. Does that mean reptiles don't make you rich? You know, I know a few guys who've done very well, and I know about ninety nine percent that have not. So yeah, it's like anything. Uh, you pick the right animals. You or if you're a good businessman, you can you know you can. You know, I raised five kids. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. my best year was like. And we made a few hundred grand. Wow. Uh, nice. Right. And I spent a few hundred grand because I kept putting it back <laughs> yeah. in the business. Well, you know, yeah. I, I, I just kept expanding, expanding, expanding. I figured at one point, you know, I'd actually make some money. And uh, yeah. right about that time, 2008 hit and everything went to, sh- yeah. you know, in a handbasket. Yeah. Well, that's where it goes. Oh, and that's what, what you, uh, you know, with, with horses, you have to really you know, get a trainer, go to the shows, you know, prom- promote your line. And did you find out with reptiles that you really have to do the shows to, you know, promote your lines and you know that sort of thing in order to well, get I, in that level? I feel like, I think so. I feel like with ball pythons, especially there's, there's more mm-hmm. of the, you have to buy more out. Like you have to, you have to buy a new morph because the new morph just oh. came out. You have to buy, right. you have to, you have to, like if you want to stay relevant and you want to make money and you want to do mm-hmm. it, you have to shell out money all the time. Oh, no doubt. All the time to make it in ball pythons. Just because there aren't ball python breeders sitting there like line breeding certain traits. They're just trying to get all these new morphs in together with each other. And that's, yes, and that's, that's the key. And that's the whole market. Versus yeah. where, okay. like, if you focused on carpets or something, it would have been more line bred, like you're talking, Peggy. Mm-hmm. I think where you, you know, he's selectively picking just, just by the pattern and color of the animal to make what he wants to make. Okay. So then, question um, mm-hmm. When you've created that new morph, 
how long do you have, how, how, how much do you control the line so you can control the market of that morph so that you are capitalizing on what you created, not a bunch of new breeders that go out there right? and, and then start competing against you. What's, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, if you look at the people who really did well uh, with initiating various morphs like uh, Peter Call, um, you know, Peter Call. Yeah, is, is, I would, okay, I you know, would Pete, love to meet him. Yeah. yeah, Pete and I lived very close to each other, so we, we, we knew each other quite well. Um, he would hold on to uh, the line for about five years. He would, he, would, he would let possible heads trickle out, and they would let heads trickle out, uh, and they would still go for incredible amounts of money. I, I was buying possible head pied uh, ball pythons that were a year old, uh, and I bought a group of six, and they cost me $1,700 a piece. They were just possible head males. Wow. <laughs> right wow. uh and that was in 1997 or 1998 and we and at that point in time the trade had not even been proven as a simple recessive trade it was still considered to be a huge gamble wow. um yeah and luckily the gamble paid off and i produced uh, a 99 percent white animal as my first animal wow and it sold for a significant amount of money um but yeah, five years is about the time period that it takes to really, you know, get control of a market. And then he and Pete, Pete did this over and over and over again with different things, right. with boas and, and ball pythons. Right. There's, by, there's an albino it, strain named after him, Peggy, in boas. Uh, uh, still, you know, you know, the picture of Slash with his albino boa. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's one of Pete's. That's Pete's. That's wow. Pete's boa. He sold it to Slash. He told the story on a podcast about it. It was great. <laughs> yeah, those snakes, Pete actually, uh, it's funny, th that whole thing got started with two males that were uh, born in the wild and had been raised by a group in California, and they could never get the darn males to, to breed. Mm. And all Pete did was buy them both. Uh, this is 1996, I think. And he, he split the cost with a guy named uh, Paul Miles, who was a good friend of mine, who's totally out of snakes now completely. But he, they bought, each of them bought a male for $25,000. Now, Paul didn't tell his wife that he had spent $25,000. Yeah. And, and, and all they did was, was slim them down. They were just too fat. Uh, the, the boas were just too fat. They had no interest in, in you know, in mating because they were just too darn fat. Wow. And the first year they, they, uh, they, they, uh, produced, I think about a hundred, uh, hets from, uh, the albino to, uh, normal crossings. And they sold reverse trios, two males and a female for, uh, $9,000 a, a trio. Oh. And they sold out their first year. That just started it's, them off. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And Pete became a millionaire off of just the albino boas, let alone the <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And Pete, Pete, Pete spent crazy money. He bought. He got into a bidding war with Bob Clark one time for uh, a, a wild caught albino reticulated python. I think it was T positive, and it finally went to Pete. Please exit now. Okay. Warning. I guess I have to read. Some of your devices are not responding. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Battery low. That's not My head brewer doesn't realize I'm here. Oh, uh -oh. well. 
I'll, I'll have to look myself out later. Uh, <laughs> well, as long as it's not a, a you know, also I hear evacuation. We had just talked fire. Went, oh crap! <laughs> Earthquake. Uh, where was uh, I, Where was I in that story? Okay. Um, um, he had, he had just. Um, no, I can't pick it up. Matthew, alarm pick it up. off. <laughs> Something about Pete Albino. Not responding. Garage. Entry sensor. Battery low. I, pour, I may have to go. Okay. <laughs> Your garage. I'll have to finish that story later when I think of the ending. But <laughs> anyway, Pete's a great guy. Yeah. I've, I've you, have to, you have to leave the facility or what do you have to do? Well, I, 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 my, my, my poor brewer is trying to figure out what's going on. He's going from door to door. I think it's because oh. I'm in, in, in this room and I'm moving and it's, it's oh. sending the sensors off. It's been great talking to you guys. Yeah. I hope I can help you guys out in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just you know, send us each a case <laughs> or, or, or a half. And, I can put and, a little okay. logo in the corner. We can yeah. <laughs> we can make it official. It'll all be good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay. Well, 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 it was really good talking. Nice yeah. to see you, Peg. For hey, the, nice you too, and Alan. nice to meet you, Matt. Nice to meet you, Alan. Thank you for yeah, coming we've on. Got to have you on again because I'm sure you've got a lot more stories. <laughs> One or two. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good All night. right, y'all. Y'all have a good night. Yeah, See you too. later. See ya. Okay, bye. Bye. Is there anything new that happened with the turtles this um, week? Uh, let me see here. What what have I discovered new? Um, other than, you know, the, you know, getting to network this week, you know, with all my scientific paperwork that needed to be turned in, I, I like networking with the Game Fish and Park employees that I report to, and and they're anxious to... Uh, involve uh, human interest, public service sort of spots that will be aired on local TV and, and um, you know, where we can, uh, oh, I, boy, I can't believe I spaced this out. Uh, a lot of our um, participants in Rapid City Reptile People on our Facebook page, I've got at least seven volunteers to help me do turtle rescuing this coming um, growth season. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm excited because I did a stupid thing as, and I should know better having been, you know, an outdoor wildlife biologist, you don't go into situations that could be dangerous by yourself in the field. And I was rescuing one particular pond and it was down in a parabolic, you know, dip, you know, the, and, uh, that dip was holding the water, you know, up until, uh, mid August. And, of course, you go down into there and even, you know, you know, by nine o'clock in the morning, it was 98 degrees in the surrounding area. Well, down in that parabolic oven, it was over 100 and I was there by myself. And I go, I'm not feeling well. And had I collapsed there, you know, that could have been really bad. So yeah, I kind of stopped what I was. Oh, yeah. I had to stop what I was doing. I go, I need volunteers. And so, uh, whoops. <laughs> uh, bringing home the groceries here <laughs> and so um i got a lot of volunteers signing up and so and according to their work schedules we'll work things out where i don't have to take on that dangerous situation myself anymore and uh and also um we can feature them with our game and fish um personnel um, that will, you know, join in on our rescues and, you know, feature, you know, what we all want to accomplish out there to, 
rescue turtles from drying ponds, do um, roadkill egg rescues, you know, all those sorts of things that they essentially gave me permission to bring on assistance volunteers on my scientific collector's permit. So, um, yeah, I mean, if there's, you know, regional farmer ranchers out there that are, you know, um, wanting us to help them, uh, you know, rescue the turtles, you know, from their, uh, drying stock dams and, um, you know, we'll show up on private land, um, uh, to, you know, rescue them too, not just state and federal, uh, state land. I'm not licensed for you know, federal acquisitions at this point. Um, but anything outside the national parks, um, you know, and, and within the state parks, um, I, my, uh, permit allows me to do the rescues there. That's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, so. Well, <clears throat> I've had a, a few people reach out to me and actually say we're doing awesome. Keep oh, it up. And they will enjoy it. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really want to hear some more about from lizard people. <laughs> yeah, no. Actually, <laughs> Kelly, my girlfriend, was getting on me. She's like, you guys keep doing this whole one snake show, one th- one turtle show, one snake show, one turtle show. And I was like, no, no. Last week we had Dr. Wyman on. That wasn't a snake show. That was just a genetics show. I really believe that. That was not about snakes. That's why I was sad at the end, because we didn't talk about snakes at all. Yeah, I asked (laughs) him a lot. We talked about genetics. Yeah, we talked about genetics. Well, I was pretty selfish. I, I want to know about genetics, and I want to know about turtles No, and you're genetics. good. And when we have a geneticist on, we should be talking about genetics. But, <laughs> well, so, and, and but I he argued believe... that that was more of a snake show, because he's a snake oh. guy. So, ah. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we got to get lizard people on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the FBI asked me if I knew any lizard people. <laughs> One of my... FBI acquaintance persons that I have been having throwing some, you know, talks with, and yeah. we're laughing about all the the lizard people. And I go, now wait, are you talking about people that breed lizards, or are we talking about the lizard people who've invaded from uh, human bodies and who are running our government <laughs> type <laughs> lizard people? And he goes, yes. <laughs> And so that was a very interesting conversation. (laughs) But I'm not talking about the 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 lizard people. He was leading the conversation to. I was, you know, I think he was trying to figure out if I was one of oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I I want to talk to lizard reader. Yeah, no, we need a. (laughs) I've been really difficult. (laughs) Been thinking. There's a lot of people I want to ask, but then it's like. Well, this other podcast just did an episode about green tree monitors. So do we really want to cover green tree monitors when that's really what I kind of want to cover? You know, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's uh, yeah. trying to make sure we're not always doing the same thing as everybody else. Yeah, I want to I want to find someone who breathes the little horny toads. <laughs> I bet the, we the, can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was really fun with Alan, though. I... Man, that dude, yeah. <laughs> that dude's got some oh. some stories and oh, gosh, yeah. incredible 
I, I, I got to get Joel. Breeding. Uh, yeah, he knows Joel's everybody in the snake oh. breeding anyway. So, you yeah. know, he's throwing yeah. out names that I wish. We, oh, yeah, you you were really having fun. Yeah, no. going into that. 100%. He <laughs> helped co-author a book with the Barkers. Like, Oh, the we Bark- didn't even get to ask him about his book. I did before you got in. but Oh, <laughs> I, well, okay, as long as you got him in there. You're right. We didn't get to ask him about the book, but he said that he oh. wrote or rewrote the third chapter, and that's what he did. Oh, okay. So he didn't do... A whole bunch in the book, but he did help at least enough to get a co-author spot. Cool, excellent. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really, um, really happy about the the reptile network we have here in the Black Hills. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm I'm you know? glad to see everyone reaching out on your yeah, post, and then even even the questions and the comments that I've gotten locally and not locally about our show. Some guy on Instagram messaged me. You know, like, so we hear you. We're listening. We want to. We want to hear your opinions. I guess. Wow, that was terrible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know even game and fish love to hear that when these networks are created, rehoming, you know, magnifies. You know, and they love hearing that because they don't want invasive showing up in the environment. But it's you know, it's fun to see like, oh, I have to rehome, we're moving and all the animals are gone before the, you know, and rehome before the week is out. Right. You know, and, and, and then also people that make habitats and people that have um, old habitats to sell because their animals have outgrown them. I mean, it's just such a beneficial network for everybody. It's, I love it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I'm very happy that we have a local community. Yeah. At least. Yeah. It's so, so convenient. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've made some reptile Instagram uh, friends, uh, connections, you know, and I think um, with some of those, I want to get more of them, you know, on the podcast because they've got years and years of experience, you know, as a rescuer, as a breeder, you know, because like, you know, I still call myself a hobbyist and, and I and you know um, oh, i'm going to be too. yeah i'm just breeding that one line i'm not to make money on it i just want you know genetically i'm curious you know you want to prove it? that it's not just baked in the egg and that's what's right. causing this yeah no i 100 yeah. percent agree after dr wyman's episode oh, that was and, great and listening back to that the second time around yeah yeah i i, I loved so, how he explained it that um an incubation um, injury, so to speak, to put it as a way that would affect that developing animal. Um, but uh, it just effect, affected its growth. That injury yeah. affected its growth. And it wouldn't necessarily pass on that injury as an inheritable trait. It's not like a gene mutated um, spontaneously and created this new trait, as genes would work. But then in the biochemist that I worked with, you know, there were epigenetic switches just that happened in the presence of an animal coming in contact with herbicides, pesticides, um, and uh, heavy metals. And and genes would be switched off. And that switched off gene, like say it switched off a mechanism of making that melanin. And now that 
gene switch off can be inherited. Yeah. Um, like with the transposon in the Kenyan sandboas, it would be something similar. Or the yeah. albinos in the fish that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of these, as he, he has kept track, a lot of these um, painted clowns, you know, painted turtle clowns, uh, uh, there hasn't been approved line of them yet, as yeah. in the line that Al has informed us he's has purchased, where they have proven the clown lines have been reproduced. Yeah, in, the, in, in the red ear slider. Yeah. So, I I, I know um, as he was talking about yeah, but you know we didn't tell our spouses we bought that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, said, no. you know, John, now Joel's going to look over at me like, okay, what's oh, you? Right. <laughs> oh, oh. That, <laughs> no, that, I, that guy, I, that guy that he was talking about, Peter Call. Explain yourself. That, tell him <laughs> yeah. we're talking about Pete Call. We're talking about Pete Call. Do you know Pete Call? No. Peter Call. Uh, he doesn't know about Peter Call. Oh. Joel doesn't. Oh, no. <laughs> oh okay. Well, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Man, that dude would be really fun to get on the show because oh, he is, yeah. he is the very. I asked him. I asked Alan that question. Like mm -hmm. he got out of reptiles to start a brewery because he's finally making money. <laughs> yeah. If uh -huh. that shows you yeah. anything, you know. Yeah. Yep. So That's he's true. one of the few people who's made a ton of money, but he was right place, right time, and just a hundred percent the right personality for it oh yeah yeah so well that's one thing that if i do get another monumental uh sculpture commission um i am gonna buy myself an eastern painted clown <laughs> <laughs> i said that loud enough for joel to hear me <laughs> say what <laughs> but don't worry honey that means I, I i've gotten rid of two tubs of rescue hatchling turtles <laughs> <laughs> You know, get rid of two habitats, but add one back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get rid of these two smaller ones and put one really big one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't think I could buy um, a Eastern painted adult. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll buy a hatchling. I'll, I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Joel's fine. <laughs> well and then here in alan talk you know he just bought a couple hundred turtles at a time yeah. and here i'm sitting up looking at my snakes and like <laughs> this, i'm not even close yeah yeah <laughs> which is I, fine i didn't plan to be close but yeah i i want to grow more of the collection but i'm I, i'm not close to that level it's gonna take some years yeah, and 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 uh, you know, if my Western painted clown turns out to be a male, like some of the breeders are telling me, it is a slow developing male because you incubated at eighty two, and all of its siblings were male. It's just taking longer to develop, like they're telling me they are seen. Well, if it is a male, I will enjoy breeding it not only to the Western painteds but also to Eastern painted clown females mm. should my hatchlings grow into that because and they should be the same genetically or a little more should technically be anyway it could be i'm sorry yeah. i should not use definites it could possibly <laughs> be 
Yes, yes. But we there scientists is a high rarely use to definites. <laughs> there is yes, a very I, high reason to believe that it would be compatible because most albinos are compatible. Huh. Let's see. And, and I, you know, and when you're dealing with epigenetic environmental switches, who knows what gene on which chromosome something didn't work. If it is, you know, did affect that one gene where it's producing the melanin and it, you know, and it's affecting its precursor states, then yes, I think we are dealing with the same gene on the same chromosome and that would more easily reproduce. But then, you know, if it's an injury that's causing an interruption in, uh, you know, the, the making of that color expression, you know, so I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, the it's only a, way to test it is to breed it, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. it's a turtle, so it's not a two year turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I am so hoping that, that, that the, my clown would turn out to be a male because the way it's growing, I don't know if it could hold but one viable egg, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, it, it, right now it's it's approaching four inches. I'm hoping by the end of this growing season, it's over four inches. I mean, its brother is growing leaps and bounds. As a matter of fact, I like to hold back. I think I mentioned that before. The size of the males. I think when we were talking to Mike Ivanovich, that um, I don't like large males because they can drown the females, hold them down and drown them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and the clown's brother was growing way too fast and and i want to keep it about you know at least a third smaller than the females and you know well so but yeah it, it's fun you know this whole you know but li listening to al and and all the um gambles that breeders take to try to get that new thing it's like oh so i'm not the only one <laughs> that's no, just like I'm and you you're were we've only talked to people in the uh in that morph category who do the yeah. morph thing and there's mm -hmm. people who make money who don't do the morph thing you know yeah, from, yes. so so we've like i didn't know al like i knew alan was a ball, ball python guy but uh mm -hmm. yeah i he, had no idea he was getting into red ear slider morph breeding yeah right? uh, I, I've no, known him, you know, since the 70s as a snake guy. I still you know? don't know if I understand how turtles are easier. <laughs> I don't well, know if he quite did a good enough job of explaining that to me. Well, to my ignorant, dumb snake brain. Cannot. You, you don't have to clean up poo-poo well, every day. I mean, it's usually like a... Um, you know, especially the tub feeding. You know, I, I now only How have big to of a filter um, are you running? I'm I'm running. How expensive um, is said filter? I find the filter on eBay at used usually. Uh, I'm running the the U the U four um, underwater um, submersible fluval filters uh, on my seventy five gallon. I've got two U fours that I paid thirty four dollars each on. That. Um, and, and each one is rated for 65 gallons. So I've got 130 gallon worth of, you know, okay. filtration on a 75 gallon, which and I don't keep my 75 gallons, you know, up to the rim, the water, because yeah. you need, you know, the, the basking so my, area. Yeah, the basking area. So my tanks are usually filled about three quarters to two thirds full. 
you know, the, and the babies, the, the, you work, you know, the, the water level up, you know, as they gain strength and become good swimmers. But, um, yeah, I, I always over filter and then I only have to clean out the filters about once every three weeks. Now, um, when I, like I mentioned it, you know, earlier, um, when I went to go clean those filters, it's like, oh my God, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's healthy bacteria flock, but it's not, um, clogged with turtle debris. And, you know, and so it's like, wow, I just have to do the water drawdown and refill it without having to touch the filters. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I think I like this tub feeding stuff. <laughs> and, but you know, it's the box turtles though. I mean, they, they are more work. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, cat litter kind of. Duty yeah. But that's not a a snake. <laughs> Hang on. Give me two seconds here. I don't okay. understand how anything to do with water is easier <laughs> than this right here. Okay. This, this right here <laughs> is the okay. snake cage. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and how often do you have to clean up its droppings? Once a week. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, but but, the, but then there's all the rodents that you have to, you know. But if you're only keeping one or two snakes, like <laughs> you can order on road hang on. But like if it's only one or two snakes or even like me, I've got five, I don't have to breed rodents. There's plenty of places online I can go and order frozen rodents. Yeah. And I can true. get them delivered to my door and put them right in my freezer and they'll be fine. So you pull your so you're pulling your turtles out then separately and feeding them in a tub is that what you were saying in the yes okay. yeah yeah and that way um some of the food would really foul the tank you know like what i was explaining out of that um uh, missouri um uh gel uh turtle aquatic turtle food that you mix up and then it turns into a nice gel um if you put that in the tank it would really foul the tank um, that make the, the water cloudy. And so I started doing the tub feedings with that. The pellets don't usually make the water cloudy. Yeah, here we um, are. <laughs> all right. Well, do you have anything else before I sign us out of here? Uh, I think I've covered it. I'm just so excited about uh, the reptile people, or Black Hills reptile people, and what we're going to be able to accomplish. And, and the new spots we're going to be able to excite people about yeah me too i am i'm very happy about our local community that we've gathered yeah well if you want to find alan bosch you can find him on facebook at alan bosch reptiles as for the show we're on youtube mm -hmm. subscribe and like yes. please subscribe and like on youtube if you have a YouTube account, uh, all major podcasting platforms, Instagram at Herp Talk Radio and uh, Patreon. That's going to be up when you're hearing this. Yes. I, that's my goal for this next week. So, excellent. excellent. Right on. Well, you guys <laughs> have a good week and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.